0: Good afternoon, everybody, in KZMU Landia in Moab and beyond. This is Lisa Hathaway, your host of Great Wide Open. And today on the show, we have a year later, almost to the day, the returning guest, Noah Kaufman, the climbing doc. And we had a conversation last year about climbing and outdoor recreation and the coronavirus, which was looming super large at the time still looming large and we talked then about having a conversation a year later see where we're at and it's a year later so we're going to see where we're at welcome back to great wide open Noah
1: thanks Lisa great to be here
0: <laughs> always a pleasure to get to hang out and chat with you and you're on call again oh yeah likewise you're on call as you were I, last year when I we am had- on call uh, yeah,
1: I saw a cat cat bite at 7 a.m. this morning, but it's been pretty relaxed otherwise this morning, Sunday morning.
0: Had to do a little uh, antibiotic admi- administration.
1: Exactly.
0: Those cat bites can be nasty.
1: <laughs> yeah, they can. They're like little uh, little syringes that inject Pasteurella and other baddies, and so yeah, they need they all need antibiotics.
0: Ooh, that's good. Get of
1: infected quick.
0: And cat scratches too. Cat scratch fever could be a real thing, not just a... <laughs> it,
1: is a re- it is a real thing, actually. <laughs>
0: um, well, speaking of all of our favorite pathogens, um, <laughs> a year ago, yeah. we, we had a conversation about um, the coronavirus, and coronavirus kind of, you know, all over the place, but also specifically how it was going to affect climbing and outdoor recreation yeah yeah last year you had just returned from the red river gorge um and you just returned from the red river gorge again you got to have your annual trip how would you say how did things feel for you this year on your trip to kentucky
1: um i mean pretty much back to normal it it you know all that fear was gone last year it was um we were kind of chased out and you know it was it was like are they going to shut down airlines and how am i going to get to work and i have to go home and uh it was this kind of scary really ominous uh just very unusual feel um and uh yeah i mean it's a whole different feeling now even though ironically you know there's more cases probably right now in the world obviously uh than there were this time last year, and we've gone through like a, a whole bunch of different um you know waves i i would say uh of this of this virus um but not only waves of the actual virus I mean like waves of psychological waves, political waves, all kinds of waves we've got a vaccine now they're going you know crazy with the vaccine, but oh are there are there these variants that are gonna cause you know more mayhem and death. And uh, you know, the um originally this time last year they were projecting that the total death count would be, you know, first somebody said two hundred thousand and then everybody freaked out because that was a lot more than the flu. And then they said, okay, no, it's probably gonna be whatever it was, eighty thousand. Well now here it is a year later and in the US it's like five hundred and seventy five thousand um and so you know it's still still going uh and we've got these vaccines though and so that's very there's a lot of hope um it's obviously a killer of people who are more at risk and um, people who are sedentary, obese uh, smoking underlying health conditions elderly obviously quite a bit and so um i think that people are somewhat Uh, used to it by now and and have kind of acclimated to having this new kind of horrible thing. And then of course, on top of that, uh, besides the political divisiveness, we're in a much different political atmosphere obviously this year, but um, there's quite a bit of conspiracy theory and what's this vaccine and Bill Gates and 5g and all this, you know, crap. So uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, And then I I think that most of us are trying to get back to some semblance of normal life. Uh, But from, you know, a medical perspective, it's still, you know, just this massive um, pandemic that it just keeps going, you know, and and we'll see how how it goes with uh, the vaccines. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it's still there. It's still a very real threat.
0: Yeah, it's definitely interesting because some parts of life feel like nothing ever really happened. But then when you look at things on the international scale and you look at things, especially in the more urban areas, it's still it's still out there and thriving and taking lives and disrupting lives and disrupting a lot of life as we know it. One thing that obviously Super boomed during this whole period is um, outdoor activity in general. It's been pretty insane yeah. just to watch the explosion of, which is great in a certain extent, obviously, to see a lot more people getting outside and feeling like they could comfortably do that kind of thing, which both you and I obviously kept doing our things outside to keep our sanity and keep our fitness. For sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's super important, you know, like, I, it's good to be, see people getting outside. I mean, we've definitely seen suicide rates go up. We've seen all kinds of fallout. Um, you know, and then uh, obviously there's arguments on the other side that, oh, sure, but death rates have gone down from all these other things. And, um, you know, it's it's true that I haven't seen like a single positive flu case this year, which is the first time in my career. And, uh, you know, but it's also kind of sad and uh moderately laughable that there's quite a bit of people who are like, wow, well there was no flu this year. Uh that's just because COVID is a flu and it was a big conspiracy and blah, blah, blah. But um, you know, I, I think that there's people are rightfully upset that, you know, there are uh mandates and I understand, you know, it'd be great if we could all work together and um, not be so angry about things like simple things like masks that are just kind of a no-brainer um and vaccines and everybody's freaking about out about vaccine passports which by the way you have to get vaccines to go to certain countries with all kinds of things malaria and all kinds of things so you know um but you know I I also understand the other side of the argument and people want their freedoms and you know I mean nobody's going to like put a gun to me and say, I have to wear a mask. I don't want that. I'm going to wear one because I think it's the right thing to do. I think we should all have the freedom to do that. But um, the problem is, you know, there's so much divisiveness uh, over all of this, which has, of course, uh, fed into the, the virus's success. So, Uh, you know, it's a real, real tricky and interesting social phenomena that I think will be studied. I think, you know, this will generate thousands of PhDs, honestly, and will be studied for centuries to come. uh, How we reacted, what we did, which countries succeeded, which systems and which models work, you know, the problem with uh, people's biases, the problem with uh, civil liberties and freedoms. I mean, there's just so much wrapped into this whole pandemic. Uh, but but yeah, you know, like you said, I, I think that people have discovered um, their lives, you know, and, and uh, work is a lot different. There's still a lot of people working remotely, and people are getting outside. And like, like you said, Lisa, we've been getting outside. I mean, I had a great year climbing. It's been fantastic. Um, you know, and uh, it's been a miserable year working and seeing COVID and dealing with patients and um you know it's very real when you're on the front line there's no like uh conspiracy theories it's like something we've never seen before and it acts differently and it looks differently you know it's like if you have chickenpox that's obviously different than the flu you know you act different and this is just as different to us on the front lines it's like not like a question of like oh could this be the flu like no this is covid and i've never seen anything like this after practicing for 20 years so um yeah a lot of interesting things to talk about and unwrap with this whole pandemic
0: yeah and um a lot of the time like you and I both um we we got out climbing a lot this year and a lot of other people did too because of um partly being in a pandemic and having the ability those who are fortunate enough to work remotely and having more spare time and it was really like For me a lot it's just like well this is my this is my way of life and we have to have some anchor to the before times or to whatever the new normal is going to be and i want my outside activity to be part of that but then on the other hand you're like am i just being really selfish and justifying it you know i can rationalize it at my own level like it's okay for me to do this but um don't forget you know we're in this pandemic and I'm probably not going to fall and break my ankle climbing on a mini traction, but what impact is that going to have on my local health systems and all that kind of stuff? So it's definitely a balancing act. But I feel like, again, like you said, for the mental health, people need it as much as the physical health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you're going to be a much bigger strain on the system if you're depressed and coming in and out of the ER and suicidal and, you know, at your wit's end Um, and really an ankle sprain or even a fracture is something that, you know, can sit in the waiting room if we're overloaded or, you know, can be seen as an outpatient. And um, look, I don't think it's bad to have a certain amount of selfishness when it comes to your health, your life, your loved ones. And I think we were all pretty much shaken up last year. I think, look, everybody, especially in the U.S., we're in this big, giant rat race. Everybody, you know, it works pretty hard, wants money, obviously wants things. And um, I'm not making a commentary on, on on that per se, but I think that this, you know, whole pandemic kind of grabbed us and shook us and, and you, were, a lot of us were trapped indoors for so long. And it's a good time to, Kind of reevaluate what's important in life because, um, you know, YOLO, right? I mean, life comes and it goes, and it's fleeting. And um, and here's this great kind of uh, lesson, which is tragic for so many people and so many families. I mean, it's interesting. You know, people don't realize that um, really only about 10% of the United States has had this illness. You know, or how many cases there are. Uh, and so, and yeah, it's possible there's doesn't, you know, that it's much higher and there's unreported numbers and there's all kinds of possibilities that, that we all admit to, you know, but, but in terms of documented cases, um, and I, I know that there's going to be a large amount of people listening who are like, well, yeah, but they document cases, uh, you know, for, for the slightest little thing. And they say, you know, we're doing the best we can. Epidemiologists are doing the best they can. We are utilizing science. There's not like smoke and mirrors. There's not like a big conspiracy. This is a, you know, a big problem. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have died from this. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, I, I think that it's been, it's been really um, bad, obviously, for the obvious reasons. A lot of people have died. Um, it's been life-changing for so many of us. Uh, and I, you know, at the end of the day, the, the healthcare system has scaled, uh, to accommodate this, uh, we were able to prevent, um, devastating outcome, which I think was a possibility. I mean, look, if you looked at New York and the body bags, and if you looked at what was possible, if we didn't do anything, I mean, we would, this would have been millions and millions, 10 million people dead in the United States by now like easy because the hospital systems would have been overwhelmed if there was no masks no social distancing which by the way only like 40 or 50% of people did anyway so uh you know our you know and and look I'm not saying it's anybody's fault but if we had had like 100% compliance with social distancing and uh you know every i mean look if everybody had just stayed inside for 2 or 3 weeks in april which you know uh doesn't make a lot of sense but we, we would have 20,000 deaths or something or fewer you know like we'd have like almost nothing um it, so uh you know but that wasn't able to be coordinated uh, it was politically unfavorable and so now we're um just kind of still going through it
0: i feel like um that we learned with the amount of activity, the increase in outdoor activity, it did seem to me like whether it was just pure coincidence of just being outside, but it does seem to me like climbing and many other sports kind of got it right in terms of people getting back out there, you know, in bits and pieces, maintaining distances. Pretty much, I observe people. By and large, maintaining social distance at the crag for most of the year, and to my knowledge, you might have different information. There were no confirmed cases or spreading events at any of the crags that I know about.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were a few people at Miguel's who had uh, who had coronavirus, and then they kind of closed Miguel's for a little while. And that was that was months ago, but. Um, yeah, I don't think there's been any large super spreader events. I think that uh, you know climbers, by and large, have um, uh, you know, have been on the more receptive "let's be safe" side. And I'm not sure that's true with uh, every um, every uh, group of of people. You know, whether it's religious or um, political or uh, whatnot. And uh, there's been some obviously tragic outcomes from uh, groups that haven't really paid attention. But I think climbers have done a really good job. Uh, I still see people wearing masks out at the crag, which is not a not a horrible idea. I don't do it, you know. I we're outside. I'm breathing fresh air. I mean, uh, and then also I think you have a slight psychological change. I've been vaccinated since December now because I'm a healthcare worker, so. Uh, after that, I was—I I mean, look, I'm just a human being—and I, I was like, "Let's go, <laughs> you know, it's on." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, "Why do I have to wear this mask anymore?" But I mean, of course, I have to. Um, so, yeah, you're—you're you're right. It's been pretty good in the in the climbing world, and I think that it's really safe to go out and climb at your local crag. Um, but uh, you know it it's been a big learning curve you know at first we were alcohol on the hands and that was a big deal and i think if you know look back i was even talking about how we kept the rona death spray you know and we had the isopropyl alcohol and then later it was like no well look it's it doesn't seem to be contact as much it's more aerosolized and then no no it's contact no it's aerosolized. and um it's it, it's interesting you know i think that all all we um what it boils down to is that it's just extremely infective and uh, it's extremely transmittable. So, you know, my brother ended up, ended up getting it. Nobody else in the the family, he did all right, but had, you know, actually a rough course. Uh, Luckily stayed out of the hospital. And uh, you know, we've all become experts on coronavirus, um, treating it. I've had, you know, double lung transplant, 80-year-olds with coronavirus live. And I've had 35-year-olds with full families, completely healthy, die. So it's kind of a not-so disease that just affects people differently based on their genetics. And, um, you know, we're, we, we're way past the big wave here in the States. Uh, but we're starting to see like, you know, just a little bit, it's creeping up. Um, ever so slightly again. Uh, but then again, vaccines are going out like crazy. So it'll be really interesting to see um, if we get another wave, if we get um, some kind of variation that the uh, um, the vaccines don't cover. Um, and, and, you know, look, we're, we're trying to study this stuff, but it's, it's really slippery. It's really difficult. You know, normally it's taken us Thirty years to get a good handle on something like you know, whatever smallpox or any kind of disease in the past. You know, like we would study them for a long time. This is something brand new. We're putting all our efforts at it, and we've come a long way. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know information that's just uh, simply not true. So,
0: well, and yeah, and that, we, you know, we're learning. And circling back to um our conversation from a year ago, neither you nor I were super bullish about the um, notion that we would have a functioning vaccine so quickly, based on past, you know, like the flu vaccination and stuff like that. Like, I think that was part of our conversation was they were like, yeah, that's probably gonna take a minute, but that was something, you know, things you get right, things you get wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, shocking that that happened so fast and the science behind it is totally science fiction. I mean, I didn't think it would be ready for another um, half a year or so, uh, but um, you know, it's crazy because it was about a year ago and I think we said a year and a half or something. You I mean, it was, a year we, and a half
0: should, to two years.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, and then it came in probably more like three quarters of a year, so half the time. Uh, and it's a fascinating it's sci-fi, you know, like this vaccine, well, the Moderna and the Pfizer, I got the Moderna, you know, goes in, it hijacks your own cells to like, to translate this protein. Um, That's crazy. I mean, that's very interesting. And, um, you know, we actually might get other vaccines out of this, and out of the science that has been kind of rushed through and done. Um, You know, there's, a lot of people are scared what you know what could this vaccine do? but you know luckily, I don't think that we're capable of making something that can like um, create cancer better than like cigarettes or food preservatives and additives and so it's not like uh, you know, I'm worried that we've created a bio like a real problem with this vaccine um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next uh you know over the coming uh the coming months and even the coming years because uh you know i think this the coronavirus might be something that's like with us it's not like gonna end and then done it might be with us forever
0: uh, yeah <laughs> you know, i'm I'm, pretty, mean, I'm convinced it'll be with me for the rest of my life because it's not I mean, gonna it, disappear
1: yeah gonna and so added. look we're we're all suffering from like this global adjustment uh, disorder, of course, which makes sense. I mean, nobody's happy with the fact that we have to have this thing in our lives, but um, you know, we'll adapt and we'll adjust, and it'll just become the new normal, and we'll still have plenty of fun, you know. And um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm really interested to see what happens. But that being said you know it's become more important for me to work less and climb more uh especially because i'm so sick of covid you know like uh and and like you know that's very selfish but uh for my own sanity i've started working quite a bit less you know and i'm just climbing as much as i can but i mean i'm working right now you know i'm obviously still working yeah
0: well, even before COVID being um dealing with emergency medicine, you really get that taste of YOLO because you get to see people who are on gonna tilt on either side of that edge. And last yeah, yeah, year really kind of does make things shake out into, you know, like, oh, crap why didn't i go visit my family last year because now it's going to be another year or is it going to be two years uh, you know
1: uh,
0: uh, yeah and now. you know
1: and, um and it was really weird you know i couldn't see my parents we couldn't see our parents for a long time because there was no vaccine and you don't want to get them sick especially i'm in healthcare so I'm, uh you know i'm dealing with covid patients all day every day i don't know how i didn't get covid uh you know like i used my ppe but um you'd walk in a room and a patient had a, you know, they would, they w- w- didn't believe in masks and then they're coughing all over the place. And, you know, I, I was literally like, um, you know, I'd be real nice and professional on the outside, but on the inside, I'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like, like, I, I want to choke you. I want to choke <laughs> you because, because now my whole, you know, like I'm the ER dog, you're sitting here with the mask on your chin with COVID, coughing, filling up our whole emergency department with COVID, other patients are going to get COVID. Like, and I'm like, can you please put your mask on? And, oh, I can't breathe with my mask. Okay. Well, I understand that, but um, man, it's real tough. It's been really, really, uh, really, really tough and really, really stressful for healthcare workers. And I mean, for everybody, but um, you know, it'll hopefully, you know, we still have, um, so many new cases daily new cases are uh still quite a bit um you know and um I mean, i'm just kind of looking here uh and our you know our total deaths just have kept kept rising uh you can you know you can go to worldometers.info to see coronavirus um and they they have all kinds of uh useful little you know graphs and and mm-hmm. charts and uh, um you can see exactly what what 's going on, so
0: and the radio listeners can 't um, just showed me, but it was a lot of curves going up, <laughs> no matter what yeah, matter you're yeah looking curve's at.
1: Still, right, still going up um you know, and they have a breakdown of specific states and trends and how your state is doing, and um you know California's the worst and uh you know um uh, there's like a whole huge range, but, uh, but a lot of the Western states are actually look pretty, pretty good. Um,
0: yeah. And, know, I, so. and I think that, um, I mean, I've not even just the outdoor activities, but even some of the, like, obviously the, um, I feel like the basketball, the NCAA and the NBA and have done like a pretty good job maintaining, you know, getting back to athletic events and using what we know using ppe using distancing using bubbles to keep people using testing to keep people safe and keep spreads from occurring yeah i mean yeah it kind of happens naturally but we also have climbing gyms and last year you and i were concerned about what's going to happen to climbing gyms and our friends who own climbing gyms and a lot of them have been successfully and slowly reopening.
1: Yeah, they have been, and they did well. The PPP, uh, this payment or protection program or whatever from the government has helped people quite a bit. Um, you know, I think there's still going to be, I still think there's going to be massive economic fallout from this, that we've kind of like pushed uh, down the road a little bit. And um you know, they're printing like crazy and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens to the whole economic situation. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of businesses that are never going to open again. I mean, air traffic is still at 50% of what it ever was. None of these half, most of these airlines can't, you know, would go belly up if they weren't being supported. You can't support them forever though. But guess what? You know, we're doing zoom, people do zoom and now, companies you know which used to travel and have multi-million dollar business uh, travel funds now they're uh, they're all doing zoom and so all of a sudden this was like bam a new age and a new era do we need all these airplanes do we need all these airplane companies we don't so they're all gonna go belly up you know restaurants you know how many restaurants have closed and especially in the big cities those aren't gonna you know reopen anytime soon that's gonna be slow and so there's um, you know massive economic fallout which hasn't been felt yet um, because of the you know creation of money and the
0: um, project.
1: yeah the support uh, of the economy. But there's going to be a wave of you know, and this is going to be a problem uh, because uh, you know I mean then you're going to get like a depression. It's called a depression because people are depressed, you know, because it's very depressing. <laughs> Because everybody's out of work, and, and you know it—it def- it affects your health when you're out of work and you got to sit at home. And especially if you're not a climber or a big, you know, outdoor enthusiast. And so I think that's what's coming in the following years is that there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot of blowback uh, and a lot of residual and ancillary, um, you know, a- effects and fallout from this this whole pandemic. Uh, and, and so, you know, we'll get past the initial virus at some point, hopefully. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of extreme, I think, economic damage and people aren't seeing that. We're not talking about it. Um, and you're, all you see is the stock markets go crazy up and, you know, but but it's just because they're printing money like crazy.
0: But yeah, as we know, the stock market is not the economy.
1: Yeah, it's not the economy. The stock market is actually more like a reflection of the Fed's balance
0: sheet at this point. Or uh, or what the billionaires are doing. <laughs> um so Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: We've got um Olympics are back on track. Um climbing is gonna be a part of the Olympics. We that's a little sidebar because of course we love talking about climbing because we're climbers. What do you yeah. think of, about that uh if you had if you yourself were an olympian or you had a child who is an olympian how would you what is your perspective on hosting an olympics a year into a pandemic
1: i mean i don't know what the right answer is and i'm just like one voice or one opinion personally you know like again let's live, you know, let's enjoy our lives. Let's try and, um, you know, let's try and enjoy ourselves and support one another. I mean, if we all work together, we'd we'd be much more effective at getting rid of this thing, but how are you going to stop the Olympics? You know, like I would do the Olympics. I'd probably make uh, there be some kind of um, vaccine uh, requirement. And, uh, you know, I understand that that's going to be very unpopular with a lot of people. But, uh, I mean, it seems kind of like a no-brainer. You know, I would do what I can to mitigate risk. uh, And I would tell anybody, you know, who is um, suffering to stay at home. Maybe I would try and make the Olympics, you know, if I could, like, control all the puppet strings make it less about making money. So maybe I would like deliver free streaming of all the Olympics to everyone. Um, you know, the, the, unfortunately everything is about money in the world uh, as we are just talking about billionaires in the stock market. So, um, you know, I think that the Olympics and things like that should happen. You know, I think horse tooth hell should happen. I think, uh, you know, uh, Rocktober should happen. And I, uh, all, all these great things that we do um, you know, it should happen. And for the majority of people who get COVID, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, but you know, we should do everything we can to keep people who are at risk at home and, you know, people have to take their own risks. Um, we're still free in this world, uh, you know, thank God. And, uh, you know, I think that we have some vaccines that have, that are shown to be pretty effective. So get your vaccine. You know, and I think that uh, as scary as it sounds, and as totalitarianism, nineteen eighty four ish, you know, uh, Orwellian as it sounds, I think that it makes sense to, you know, have a little, you know, check mark on your driver's whatever, whatever it is that you've gotten a, a vaccine, because unfortunately, this is something that has killed over half a million people and is going to kill a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, a, a lot of people don't like that idea. And I get that. And I would never ever want to force anything on anybody. But I mean, I think the same thing about smoking, like if you're a smoker, and, uh, you know, you're dragging down the healthcare system, like, I don't know, I mean, there, these are all really complex problems that affect people's civil, civil liberties and freedom. So, you know, I certainly don't have the right answers. But uh, I'd say that anything that, you know, keeps the most people alive and increases net happiness the most should be, you know, the solutions to the problems that we're focusing on.
0: Well, and like you said, um, you know, any place you're going to travel. When we went to South Africa, we had to get a barrage of inoculations before they grant you access to leave our country and go to that country and then come home again. Um, We were
1: there together. That's right.
0: Right. We were there together. And I was like, right. holy cow, how many shots in the arm do I have to get to go on this? Yeah, yeah. And, you you know, it's barely normalized. You go travel internationally. If you're not just going to Europe, then there's going to be, and even in Europe, there are certain things that you have to have before they want you in their country. So I think same thing, like with Olympics, if you're an athlete, you've been training your whole life, you were planning on Tokyo 2020, you couldn't go and you don't want to be anywhere near groups of other people then i think that's a reasonable choice that you make for yourself but i think it's pretty i think it's a good thing to provide that opportunity for the athletes who feel comfortable attending to attend and for the organizers yeah to keep keep it as safe as they can and create these bubbles and basically it's the spectators who are probably more at issue than oh yeah the competitors
1: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you look at professional sports in this country, I mean, we've we've already gotten back to it. There's already full stadiums, even. Uh, So you know, like, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, But I think people are just kind of sick of it, and. The whole thing is really incredible. I mean, it's just so life-changing, you know, like we lived our lives one way before this and now it's definitely different. And so um, that affects everything and all different countries, everybody's different in the way they, you know, see it. And there's a lot of people who are militant on both sides Mm -hmm. um, and just steadfast in their beliefs. So it's really hard to, come to common solutions when there's so much divisiveness uh and then the fact of the matter is you know people are dying but then you've got a a massive cohort of people who don't believe the numbers and don't believe the science and there's a lot of lack of faith and don't don't believe uh, you know and just see it as um a trojan horse to affect you know to take away civil liberties or rights uh you know so um that's a problem because you know, those people are brothers and sisters and family. And I understand the arguments, you know, like I get it. And I don't think that, you know, if somebody wants to die, I mean, look, I'm. That's their right. That's their freedom. Or if somebody wants to, you know, as long as you don't like encroach on other people's freedoms. And that's what's happening.
0: That's where the problem. If, Therein lies the road. That's where
1: Yeah, that's where the problem is. And so, you know, and then it wasn't really helpful, I think, our, uh, you know, without getting too political, I don't think we had a very good political response to COVID. And I don't think we had good messaging from, you know, our leaders. Uh, And so I think that's why we're sitting here with almost 600,000 people dead in the United States versus Mm 100,000, you know, whereas the flu is maybe, you know, 20 or 30,000 in a year. So, you know this is way more than ten times that, you know, and before it's all done, it could be a lot more so you know um, very interesting times that we live in, and uh, I think it's more important than ever to really evaluate our lives and try and focus on being happy and living the best life that we can and um you know whether it's with family and friends and out climbing and uh, you know, doing what you love to do and, yeah, you know, hopefully safely for society in society.
0: Well, I've definitely been encouraged. Obviously, it fits my confirmation bias to see that, you know, people going mountain biking, people going hiking, people going climbing have, you know, fared well in the sense that nobody's like passing someone at a trailhead and suddenly 20 people have coronavirus and have it um, at a at a serious level, so that's been a good thing, but yeah, the overall ramifications of this are just kind of kookula and ollie. Do you think? Um,
1: yeah, exactly. Do
0: you think uh, regular gyms, you know, like your local Gold's Gym, you live in a city? Do you think those places? I think, from what we've seen with the empirical data and the anecdotal evidence, that they can open with with uh restrictions in place and people can get back to their gyms and get back to their spin classes and yoga classes and be okay especially now that we have a vaccine in the mix
1: yeah i think that's right i think uh that at this point it's just look at the data and respond you know the vaccine is coming out i think that you know if you've had your vaccine which is available to almost everyone now
0: uh
1: in most places so if you've had your vaccine um you should feel really comfortable and uh if if you're taking precautions you know i still think there should be some precautions at, at gyms and places but i mean i'm all for gyms and restaurants opening and um i want businesses to thrive and you know i will i want to get back to normal you mm-hmm. know some of my favorite restaurants have closed and it is very frustrating because i love those restaurants yeah, yeah. I would go every year, uh-huh. you know, I, I would go and, and it's, and they're like, ah, they throw on the towel and it's really too bad. Uh, you know, and new, new places will come up, but um, um, I think it's safe for people to start getting back into it. But if we start to get like a, a real bonafide, another wave of activity, then, you know, we should have protocols in place to be like, okay, let's just shut it down for two weeks. I mean, you know, here, here it's crazy to think about, and this is crazy in medicine. You know, people don't realize this, but if if everybody went home and stayed at home for one month, like everybody, I'm talking 100% of people, you would you would almost completely eradicate like most sexually transmitted diseases, you know, most uh, socially transmitted diseases such as coronavirus, influenza um like it's crazy what you would get rid of i mean and obviously it's not realistic that would never happen but um you know it's uh it would if we just had the ability to do that and i think they were able to do that you know more in in some of the far east countries uh that had really good numbers and really good outcomes um but uh you know obviously we weren't able to do that um so uh you know we'll see we'll see what happens uh as the vi- virus keeps mutating and tries to work around uh you know all the everything that we're doing so
0: it, it's motivated to survive for its own survival
1: yeah which is so weird because it's not like a conscious living thing it's not motivated the way we are right. but um yeah it's just like a programmed it's a little programmed thing and, and actually, it. Um, You know, I think that there's, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's pretty, um, I think it's pretty likely that this somehow came from uh, a lab, you know, and I don't think it was necessarily generated on purpose. I think it was probably accidentally released, but, um, and it's possible that it just came from nature, but I think it's pretty weird that it came from, you know, Wuhan, where uh, there is a virology center that studies coronaviruses, which like there's not a lot of those. And so there's like the foremost coronavirus lab there. The Occam's razor suggestion is that it probably did come from there. Probably somebody, you know, from, you know, wasn't careful in the lab. Um, I doubt it was engineered or anything like that, but I don't know. And it doesn't really matter in the end. Ultimately we have to face this thing. but uh, but again, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting if we ever find out, if we ever learn, you know, or maybe it'll just be like a, maybe it'll be a who assassinated Kennedy thing for the rest of our lives.
0: Um, I kind of think it's gonna be, I think it'd be really hard to come up with an absolutely conclusive definitive, even if someone says, I was the person who was working on that and I must not have washed my hands before I went home.
1: Yeah. Right. 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 Totally.
0: And and it doesn't
1: really matter. Um, but it is kind of interesting that there is a non-zero possibility that this came from us butting around with nature,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and not just naturally from nature. Okay. uh And so that's disheartening because you know it, it, because I think that. Uh, there's probably a fifty-fifty chance that we had something to do with this, like you know, humans, and uh, and it was probably completely accidental, um, or or not, you know, or it it just came from nature, from like eating bats, which for some reason never happened before in the last two thousand years, or <laughs> however long we, you know, but um and happened uh, half a kilometer from the virology institute that studies coronavirus you know i mean uh stranger things have happened so um but uh yeah you know i, I think that um, we're over the hump and it's time to get back to life and you know we just have to keep updating our, our best practices and whatnot and i think we have to be vigilant and we have to be in it together and unfortunately. Fifty percent of us are in it together. It seems like Uh, you know, and the other fifty percent. And there's people on both sides. I'm not talking like you know, left and right political divides. I mean, uh, I know plenty of people who are on both sides of the political spectrum, but on different sides of the 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 mask vaccine spectrum. So you know, it's like there's and I think that the the social media and that there's all kinds of um, you know amplification of these divisions. Um, you know, to keep us glued to our phones. but um.
0: Well, and then there's also confirmation bias, which is so strong in humans that whatever you as an individual did and it worked out for you, then that was the right thing to do. And so since the vast majority of us, whatever we did, it worked out for us, whether you were hypervigilant or wildly, um, wildly, uh, whatever the word I'm looking for, reckless, Reckless, exactly. If You're still alive. You think that what you did worked, so it's really hard to yeah. convince people otherwise. Right. That right. yeah, you're we,
1: confirmed by uh, by what you did worked, or or you die.
0: Or yeah, which, but which
1: more happen, You know, more
0: people are alive than died, so more people are going to believe that whatever. If you're not like vigilant with your confirmation bias checking, you're gonna. I think what I did was perfect. You know. Yeah. My exactly. friend in the street thinks what he did was perfect. So, so Chalk, virus killer or not? We uh, I finished? have no uh, idea. <laughs> we never got any. Uh, I have no
1: idea. I mean, but this virus is so gnarly. It just lives on things. Uh, so I don't really know. I don't know maybe there's been a study um but i i I don't know i would say just assume that it lives in chalk and use alcohol (laughs) (laughs) i mean at this point you're better safe than sorry i if i had to guess i would say it probably doesn't live in chalk you know um just uh chalk is a desiccant and um uh, you know i just don't think it lives in chalk but um Form a, a barrier, either. Yeah, well, it may form a barrier. I mean, I think that we might have seen a lot more people get coronavirus from climbing at crags and climbing outside. Um, you know, again, though, that that might be an assumption. But um, and alas, <laughs> I think I need to go see see a couple patients.
0: Well. You have been so awesome to share some time with us, Noah. It's been a great opportunity to sit back down with you again and uh, revisit our new best spike protein frenemy. And um, (laughs) that's right. Maybe maybe we do it again next April or if we're lucky sooner. I
1: I love it. And I'll be in uh, Moab in uh, in May. So I'll come see you and I'll, I'll hit you up.
0: And then we'll talk about the blood flow restriction training.
1: Yes. Yes, because we still need to talk about that. I love talking about all this stuff and, uh, you know, it's all very fascinating. Uh, And so, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get past this and it'll all go away. And by summer, it'll be, uh, you know, just a a dream of a crazy time.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I'm glad that we got to share this uh, living dreamscape nightmare, (laughs) whatever it is, (laughs) together.